0: Welcome to Heaven Smells Like Books, a book review podcast. Hi. Hello. I was going to say happy Sunday because I'm recording this on a Sunday, but you know, you might not be listening to this on a Sunday. But either way, hello. I hope you are well. And thanks for being here uh and you know wanting to listen to my podcast so today i am going to talk about beloved a book by tony morrison because i'm still reading or making my way through tony morrison's books before i start off i just want to say that if you can hear anything in the background it is my washing machine going off um i hope you can't hear it but if you can that is what it is and yeah okay so beloved I don't actually know if it's pronounced beloved or beloved I'm saying beloved because the title of the book is based off of you know that thing preachers say at the beginning of a burial dearly beloved yada 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 Um, that is what the title is based off of so that's why I'm saying beloved if it is beloved apologies but get over it so yeah it's an American book so this book is a lot capital L-O-T actually there's so much going on that triggers such intense emotions and thoughts but also it does it without making the reader feel so overwhelmed that they have to stop but obviously that's very subjective but I personally didn't feel like I was so overwhelmed. It felt like the right amount of full as in F-U-L-L. The right amount of it. Not too much, not too little. A it definitely pushed boundaries and the limits I thought I had, but I didn't feel overwhelmed. Uh yeah, so also this book once again proves my point that when Morrison's approach writing is both an art and a science and it is also very intentional every word every sentence every phrase is very intentional every single thing the way it's structured like i said literally the words she uses all intentional they're all there to serve like a purpose um the way she pulls off so many plots, ties them together so perfectly, is no easy feat, and on it, like, again, she did it perfectly. Apologies, excuse me. And I also can't say the book is about one single thing, because it's about so many things, and if you've listened to my other episodes, on other Toni Morrison books, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before, that I really struggle to say Toni Morrison book is about X because it always feels like it's not just about one thing, there are so many things that you have to take into consideration and that tie into the entire story. But the main plot of the book is the appearance of a young lady called Beloved or Beloved, She shows up in front of this family's house and they take her in and she's eventually suspected to be the toddler, the mother of the family killed, but in reincarnated form. So that's the main storyline. But we're also taken through the lives of all the family members who were all former slaves. And that's what makes the book so intense, reading about the different characters, what their experience during slavery was like. I've never read a book that gave so much detail into what the lives of slaves looked like, or looked like. Um, so because Stoney Morrison mostly writes about Black Americans, there's always an element or theme of slavery or its impacts, however, this is the first time I've read her go into such detail about slavery and the slaves and, like, sort of their day-to-day. And this book is, it's such a well-rounded book, it's so, so beautifully written, it's so cleverly written, everything ties together so perfectly. And the story is told in such a skillful manner. And Tony Morrison's ability to tell the stories of multiple characters from different perspectives. It's like no other. Like the characters are so well-rounded. They're so well-developed. They're like full human beings. And that is not something that you see in most books. It's not something you see in a lot of books even. Especially when Toni Morrison does this thing where she discusses or we learn about a character from another character's point of view. And then we learn more about them from... You know they themselves and it just gives you a broader view and picture of who this person really is why they are the way they are why they do the things they do and all of those important bits that make a person a person um like i said the characters are so well thought out and so well rounded the character development is the best i have ever seen or read the characters are complex We see the mothers in the book from the perspectives of they themselves as individuals, and we also see them from the perspective of their children. We see them as people in slavery and how that leaves a permanent imprint, even after they are freed. When when one of the characters, the mother called Seth, when she murdered her toddler in an attempt to save her toddler (coughs) from slavery, we see at least i see how shocking that is but i also see how she arrived at that point like it it made sense that she tried to do that in an attempt to protect her child i don't think i'll ever fully recover from this book i think it's one of those that you have to go back to after some time um because i'm so sure that At first read, there's so many things I missed and I'm sure that if I go back to it in like a year or two, there'll be even more points that I would be like, oh my god, completely missed this, but like, epic. (laughs) I'm also aware that I've read it as someone who knows mainly the basics about American slavery so i'm sure that there are things that went over my head and i can't imagine what people who know a lot about slavery got from this book like they would have noticed the little things that i for sure missed and that would have probably made the book like an an even better experience i also think that the book has an element of speculative fiction i think around the time where tony morrison wrote Beloved. And um, Tar Baby, I think she was in her speculative era. (laughs) Uh, And actually don't know if that's the right term, but the idea of a murdered toddler coming back to life isn't like quote-unquote real. Like reincarnation, I don't think is something that we can scientifically prove. Um, So it feels not real. It feels, I guess, surreal. Um, yeah, so does that count as speculative fiction? Is that what it is? Uh, but yeah, so the book starts off in a house called 124. That's obviously the house number and it's how um, Toni Morrison refers to the house throughout the book. And it is where the main characters live after escaping or being freed from slavery. And the house is a key part of the story because it is believed to be haunted by the ghost of the murdered toddler. So much so that two of the remaining children eventually run away because they couldn't handle it anymore. Also, the book starts in the house and like we're thrown into the deep end because we're immediately introduced to the ghost of a toddler. Like I opened this book and it was like BAM haunted house, dead toddler, ghost doing shit around. There's no preamble, there's no warm up, it's just you just immediately at the center inside, fully in. The door is closed behind you. And this was actually deliberate. Um in the forward, Tony talks about how she wanted the book to feel like the house where Once you're in, there's like no welcome area, there's like no corridor, no like waiting area. It's just, you're just in it, in the story, immediately. And then we go back in time to slaves sexually assaulting livestock. And so the first like 50 pages was just, I was like, oh my god. What the fuck is going on? Like, I'm just 50 pages in and I have read things that I literally have never read before. And I think also because I don't read or try to find out what a book is about before I start. I just go in. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was not this. Um, yeah, but... After I read The Fall and I saw that it was a deliberate thing, it made sense because Toni Morrison said that she wanted the reader to immediately be inside, like inside, inside the house and I thought she did that perfectly by starting off with the haunted house. Again, what a fucking skill. And then, like I said, we're taking back to where most of the main characters were enslaved or served part of their enslavement and it's a place called Sweet Home. I know, very ironic. At Sweet Home, we are taken through the lives of their lives as slaves, the trauma, and what eventually leads to them trying to escape. The matriarch of the family, so not the one who killed her toddler, <clears throat> so the one who killed her toddler, her name is Seth, and she was married um, to. One of the other slaves that lived at Sweet Home, the matriarch that I am referring to is Seth's mother-in-law. So, the matriarch, Seth's mother-in-law, her name was Baby Soggs. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, she was actually bought out of slavery by her son, the father of the murdered toddler. And it is the matriarch, Baby Soggs, who move, who then moves and is set up in the house called Four. And then when her daughter-in-law and grandchildren escaped slavery, they move in with her. Um, the murdered toddler, she didn't have a name or we weren't told her name at least uh, before she died or before she was killed. But on her tombstone, what was written on it was dearly beloved and so when she's quote unquote reincarnated that's what she is referred to as so in this book locations are like a key part of the story from sweet home to 124 to the different laws that applied in different states in america at that time and how that affected the slaves and their freedom or lack of so in some states like slaves weren't freed in some states you know you had freed slaves living um free lives essentially and it was interesting to see how i guess the fate of black people changed from state to state and I know that in America, they still have that thing where different states will have their very different laws and whatnot, which is why, like, in some states in the US now, abortion is illegal, while in some it's legal. It's very confusing. I don't understand why they don't just have one. I mean, I'm sure it's, there's a there's historic background to it, but why complicate things so much? But anyway, I want to talk about slavery and its impact because obviously that is a key theme in this book. So every time I think I have a reasonable idea of slavery, I read something that puts the events into, puts the events in a humanizing way and not just like a statement of historical facts. And these stories humanize and show the effects, as in they humanize the slaves and show the effect on, like, their psyche, their physical health, their mental health, the effects on them as people, as opposed to just, you know, bullet points that I thought, you know, slavery was abolished on this day, X number of people were estimated to be slaves, all of those things. It makes you think of them, or forces you to see them as people and not just like, bullet points of historical facts. And these stories humanize them and show the fact, like I said, Um, the way it's affected it being slavery, the way slavery affected ordinary things, like, you having access to your kids, or rather, you not having access to your kids because you're a slave. And it's like, oh my god, it's, like, Seth, the the mother who murdered her child, her toddler, Her not remembering a lot about her childhood, because she couldn't remember the African language her mother spoke in. And like, I guess most people don't remember their childhood in details anyway. But this is definitely worse, because there was no one around her to remind her. She, She didn't have a lot of her childhood memories, because she could not remember the African language that her mother spoke. And not having that memory or people around you to remind you of your childhood, like no access to people that were in your childhood. I cannot imagine how destabilizing that is for a human being. And like, how can you feel rooted at all when you have no memory of your early childhood and like no one around you that was in that childhood with you? It sounds like it feels really lonely and so isolating. Um, and I say childhood here in quotes because she was still a child when she got to Sweet Home. So Sweet Home wasn't where she was born. She was born on another plantation and then I guess was sold and eventually found herself in Sweet Home. And she was still a child, um, to be honest. Also how casually kids got separated from their parents during slavery. Like Seth Belly spent any time with her mother because her mother was always working and that lack of connection to someone that's responsible for you surely has psychological impact i don't think my mind can ever truly comprehend it and i don't think i can ever fully understand the trauma that would have left that would have left people with and how it would have been passed on from generation to generation even after slavery ended slaves were actually treated the way livestock were treated at least that was what it read like in the book their kids were staking their kids were taken away from them and sold without their knowledge someone even allowed to spend time with their kids or raise them or bond with them like slaves were forced to mate with other slaves to procreate so that their masters could sell those kids so baby sogs the that matriarch, she talked about the little things because she was also a slave for most of her life. And she talked about quote unquote little things she never got to know about her children because most of them were sold, some without her knowledge. Like they didn't tell her, she just I guess, got back from the plantation one day and they're like, oh yeah. One of them, she heard from someone else that her child had been sold. And she talks about how she had no idea what their permanent teeth looked like because she lost them, or lost access to them rather, while they were still kids. She had no idea what the final shade of their skin looked like. Features of them as babies that she never got to see how they evolved. You know, like, did they outgrow their dimples? Did they grow out of the food they loved as kids? What do they walk like? Like, what do they look like when they walk? And, like, if you really think about it, it's incredibly heartbreaking. And, like, slaves like her never got to know these supposedly little things about their kids because their kids were taken away and sold as slaves. And, like, imagine dealing with all that and then adding the not knowing if those kids are still alive. And, like, if they're alive, what are their working conditions? You know, your child is taken away from you and sold to someone else. You don't know where, you don't know to who, you don't know if the child survives, you don't know how bad their working conditions are. You're completely in the dark. And that level of trauma, I don't see how it's not going to take centuries and so, so, so many generations to undo That trauma, I have no doubt, gets passed to the next generation and the one after that, and the one after that. And Baby Sox also talked about how she didn't even know herself. She said that there was a sadness, that like the sadness was at her center, the desolated center where the self that was no self made its home. The self that was no self because she hadn't been given the opportunity to be, to grow, to discover, to explore. She talked about how she doesn't even know if she could sing, she doesn't know if she was a good friend because like that was just not a priority. Um, she couldn't tell if she would have been a loving mother because that like, babies were taken away from her. She doesn't know if she has a sister She doesn't know if her mother would have liked her if she knew her. Like, the fucking horrors of not knowing these things about yourself. And that was why she was like, I'm just needing to read that quote again. The sadness was at her center. The desolated center where the self that was no self made its home. So, like I said before, baby Sog who is the matriarch, she was bought out of slavery by her son, which essentially meant that her son, in exchange for him working even more hours, um, his mother was set free and allowed to go. And she could not, her son's name was Hali, by the way, and Baby Socks couldn't just, she couldn't fathom what she would do with freedom she was like she started of, she suddenly noticed her arms her fingers heartbeats once she had freedom do you know how how horrible it has to be that for decades you don't even notice things like your own body because you don't have the freedom to like it's not even something that like you're, thinking about enough that your brain allows you to notice them. So there was also this other man, um, at Sweet Home. So there were, I believe, four men at Sweet Home. Um, they were all sort of around Hallie's age. Hallie again, Baby Sog's son. Uh, one of them is called Paul D. So there were a lot of Paul's, um, and there was one called Paul D, and Paul D also escapes Sweet Home and finds his way to Seth, and they end up living together for a bit, which also overlapped with when Beloved reincarnated and was at their doorstep, and they took her in. So, I guess maybe I should give you guys more context. Um, so essentially. Baby Sogs escapes and then Seth also, no, Baby Sogs was freed rather, and then um, Seth, who was married to Baby Sog's son, escaped. She wasn't freed, she ran away with her children, well she sent her kids first, and then she came afterwards and when she escaped, or when she fled, sweet home, she was heavily pregnant and so she actually had that child on the road and then Baby Sogs, um dies and years later Paul D, who was also a slave at Sweet Home, finds uh, Seth and her daughter um, and lives with them. Also should point out that in addition to the uh, murdered toddler that reincarnates, Seth had three other children two boys and one girl the two boys are the ones who ran away because they were too scared of the baby ghost and so really it was Seth and her last born child her daughter the one she had while she fled Sweet Home um and then eventually became Seth her last born daughter Paul D who also was from Sweet Home and then Beloved appears and also lives with them. I hope that makes things more clear. But anyway, uh, Twin Morrison also talked about Paul D's experience after he was sold from Sweet Home and how, you know, he was sold to another slave owner plantation and him and the other slaves there, they were caged. They were caged like fucking animals and left outside to die during a rainstorm. Like the slave masters knew that the working conditions were so poor because it made it difficult for them. As in the working conditions during the during the rainstorm was so poor that it made work more difficult for the slave masters. But it still didn't occur to them to give the slaves shelter. They just left them outside. They, like, dug them into the ground and left them during a rainstorm. Like, they took their dogs in and their other animals in, but they left the slaves outside. How does that make any fucking sense? And then I also want to talk about white saviorism is in, because this, I think, is also another theme in the book. And so at Sweet Home, I think it was initially called sweet home because the slave masters at the time, the initial slave master was quote-unquote good to his slaves. Excuse me. Was he paying them? No. Was he treating them like humans? No. I mean, I guess more so than the other slave masters. So he acknowledged that they had thoughts and feelings and that they were intelligent. Um, and so he wasn't, I guess, like beating them up or starving them, and all of those things. But they were still slaves. And the way it was described, it sort of he like took pride in it that oh, I treat my slaves well. And how 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 does that make sense? How can you literally? Enslave people, you're not paying them, but you think you're a good person Baby Soggs when her son um, Bought her free job Like if that slave master was really about her and as good as, as good of a person as he thought he was He would have let Baby Soggs go for free She had worked her entire life she was clearly physically ill at that point which is why her son was like okay no like we need to figure out a way to get you out of this place and that slave master I mean, was a quote-unquote good one he didn't just set her free like he still made her son hali pay by outsourcing hali after working on his own farm to other slave owners to do extra work and It only took the good owners, quote-unquote good owners of Sweet Home, to die for things to turn for the bad. It's like once that quote-unquote good slave master died and his brother came to take over, Sweet Home changed completely and became like an even more horrible working environment for the slaves. And it just makes me think about how we can't rely on goodwill Like, we need proper systems and infrastructure that help and support people and make sure that everyone is treated fairly. Because if we rely on goodwill, it literally takes one, like, the whim of one person for everything to change. And so it will never be good enough that people are having to rely on goodwill and charity. We need proper fucking systems to protect people. yeah and then also want to talk about motherhood um this was both in big pieces and little pieces um the little pieces being when seth's mother was referenced and we see the impact of seth not having someone to mother her you know like she has a biological mother but she didn't have someone to actually like she didn't have a relationship with her mother and we could see the impact of that Then there's also the big piece in what Seth sacrificed for her kids and the lengths she went to to protect them. So let's start with Seth running away from sweet home when things turned sour. Trady had three kids, like I said at the time, two boys and the toddler. And then um, that toddler, like I said, she was pretty much still a baby, like an early toddler, like one year old. And then Seth was pregnant with another child. She was heavily pregnant. And right before she managed to escape, she was assaulted by the white boys that lived at Sweet Home. I believe they were the sons of the new owner that came to take over after the quote-unquote good slave master died. and due to some logistical problems she had to put her kids in a separate vehicle from her so there was a plan to run away but Seth couldn't go with her three children so she put them in like the mode of transportation and they went without her and the plan was to had to follow along she wanted to go and find her husband Hallie so that they could leave together but then she couldn't find Hallie and it meant that she had to travel alone without her family whilst heavily pregnant right and then unfortunately she goes into labor during the journey at this point she's on her feet walking like she's walking the entire distance and she had to navigate the woods alone pregnant in labor whilst having literal open wounds on her back from the assault from the white boys that lived On the farm and also whilst trying to hide because she was a runaway slave. So it wasn't like she could take normal pathways to walk. No, she was running away which meant she had to make sure that no one, like no one found her or saw her. So to paint a Clara picture, um, years later when her wounds were healed, uh, This was when Paul D. found them, literally like 18 years later, when Paul D. saw the scars on her back. Paul D., by the way, is a man who had been through fucking hell as a slave. And even he was shocked by her scars. The way it was described was that it was like she had a tree growing on her back. So that meant that she had open wounds on her back from being whipped and sexually assaulted whilst pregnant she had those open wounds can you imagine the exhaustion from being pregnant and then you now add being whipped and then you now add the fact that she's running away and having to walk and make that journey all by herself alone whilst hiding and then she goes into labor. Like, do you see the point I'm trying to make? That the conditions that she was in for that journey were fucking horrifying. Um, yeah. But anyway, back to Seth's journey. Honestly, I think it's a miracle that she made it out alive and found baby Suggs and she was alive. I only, I don't know how she survived it. She ended up having the baby in the woods with the help of a white girl that randomly found her and you know, the white girl didn't, like she helped her essentially. Um, and then she also accidentally was found by a group of black people who had a system for transporting runaway slaves and they helped her get to baby Suggs' house. And I was just thinking about how what mothers go through now, like present day, to have babies. That in itself is a massive fucking sacrifice. And also sounds very painful and horrifying. And then you add everything Seth went through. And I, I just, I don't know how she managed to do that and survive in the woods without proper healthcare. Like, she was ill from an assault. She had open wounds on her back. She had been walking for days. I literally have no words. Um, and then a few months later, she was found. So this was after she made it to Baby Sugg's house. She was found, and even though she was in a state where freed slaves were allowed to live freely, because she was a runaway, The law was that she had to be transported back to her owners if they found her. And so they did find her. And that's when she did what most would consider unthinkable. She tried killing her children. All of them. So she figured out that the white people were coming to get her. Like the way Tony even writes that part of the book. Honestly you have to read it. She literally runs around, gathers all four of her kids, runs into the shed, closes the door, and tries to kill each and every one of them. But she only succeeded in killing one, the toddler. Not the newborn baby, the toddler. Um... Yeah, and she did that because she didn't want them to experience slavery. And honestly, I completely understand that. And I think it is also testament to how horrible the conditions were. That she thought, these people are here to get me and my kids, and they're going to take us back to our slave owners, and my babies will be slaves. And she was like, I would rather kill them and have them die than experience that. I don't think that speaks to Seth's cruelty. I think it speaks to how horrible the conditions must have been for her to be like, no. Like I would rather kill them with my own hands. Also, this isn't something that is far-fetched. That part of the story, as in Seth killing her child, is something that actually happened. Like that part of the story is based on real-life true events. Like it actually happened and Morrison included it in the book. It Like there was a real woman who escaped slavery and because she didn't want her child to be taken back into slavery, she killed that child. That is something that really happened. Like that is what people were driven to, to do in order to protect their loved ones. And I don't see how it is anything but testament to how horrible slavery was. And I don't care, I don't want to hear what anyone has to say about the mothers that tried to do that. I, I, no one should criticize them as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, and to, like I said, she managed to kill one of the children, um, the one that was a toddler. Uh, Sorry, give me a second And I know that it's a very gruesome thought But like I said, the way I see it To her, she was trying to save her kids Like Seth herself was born into slavery She experienced slavery She knew that And she, she knew that she'd not want her babies to experience the same thing And in the intensity of the moment That was the only solution she could think of And so she was doing what she thought she had to do Again, the way that part of the book was written was so beautiful. Very horrific scenes, but it was beautifully written. Anton Morrison did a tremendous job at describing why and how the white people were able to find her. She described so beautifully and heartbreakingly how Seth went from realising they were coming coming to get her to gathering her children and, and attempting to murder them. I also want to point out the mental state someone has to be in to not only think of doing something like that but to actually execute it like it is one thing to have an idea to do something that difficult and horrifying it is another thing to actually do it and like i said that is testament to how horrible slavery was that it had put her environmental states that she was able to go through with it without hesitation i also want to talk about community um the book read like there was a sense of community amongst the freed slaves which is absolutely amazing i again i don't there's no way to describe what that community felt like you really have to read the book the fact that people went out of their ways to help runaway slaves and protect them and help, you know, hide them, help them find their way to somewhere where they could live, was absolutely amazing. That is a huge sacrifice because it's a big fucking risk. Um, and like, do you, like, do you know what it means for people to risk their own lives to help, to help like runaway slaves? And they, like, had a system for it that they had designed. It was honestly so beautiful to read. Um, And even the people that helped Seth through the legal process after she killed her baby, because, obviously, she was arrested. um, But, you know, there were activists and people who fought for her, and that was also really beautiful to read. There was also a bit about how the community subconsciously let Seth down because that was the only way the white people that came to re- reinstate her into slavery, that was the only way they could have gotten into the town. And Tony also mentions, and she describes, or through the voice of Baby Sogs, describes why um, the community subconsciously failed Seth, and it had a lot to do with, I guess, envy right because usually there would have been no other way that those white people would have made it through town and no one would have noticed and given seth and baby sogs a heads up and figured out a plan to hide them properly um and yeah like normally those white people wouldn't have gotten to her doorstep without someone finding out and helping at last. And we also see the impact of being excluded from the community and how it affected Seth's daughter. Because essentially after that, Seth, once she was arrested and then released, she basically went into isolation and didn't really interact with the community afterwards, which also meant that her daughter, um, the baby she had during the journey, not the murdered one, obviously, was also isolated. And for a child to be isolated for like 18 years Like we have the COVID babies that we have, like there's been a lot of conversation about how their growth as toddlers looks very different than non-COVID kids essentially. And so, because you know, they were born in isolation essentially. Um, And so yeah, imagine that for even longer, 18 years, you'll, yeah. So the impact that had on Seth's daughter as well. And I honestly could go on and on about this book. It is definitely my favourite Toni Morrison book. I'm already at 42 minutes and I don't want this episode to be any longer. Um, But yeah, I know I used to say that The Bluest Eye is my favourite Toni Morrison book, but that has changed. Um, And I honestly doubt that any of her other books that I have left to read will top it. As a matter of fact, I think this might be my favorite book of all time. It is definitely the most difficult and heartbreaking book I have ever read, but it is also the most beautifully written. It is also the most intentionally written. The skill and the, like the skill, her writing skill, Tony Morrison's writing skill comes through immensely in this book, like you simply have to read it, no one, I don't think any writer can ever beat this, like the ability like I said earlier to tie all these different plots because like I said she she does that thing where she talks about every character and gives us background knowledge on each character And because they were all slaves, that's a lot of fucking, like, intense background knowledge. And she ties everything up into this one story. And nothing felt pointless. Like, there's no thread that I thought, "Mm, maybe she pulled on that a bit more. Or I wish she excluded that. Or I didn't need to know that. No, this book is literally perfect. It is perfectly written. No notes, no critique. Just perfect. Um, Yeah, I've never read anything- I've never read anything so well thought out and executed. Um, Like, nothing has ever told so many important stories within one book and left any of it feeling underdeveloped or overdone. I am absolutely amazed by how she broke everything down, and then also tied everything together. And there is so, (laughs) there is so much in this book, words can never fully describe it and how it made me feel. And you really have to read it yourself to understand. I left the book when I finished, I felt like I was full, or not overfed. I felt like I had gained so much. Like, I had learned so much that I was full, but I wasn't too full. Like, I wasn't overfed. It was the right amount of information and knowledge. Like, don't get me wrong, I was stretched, but it wasn't too much. It was the right amount of challenge. Um. Obviously, not in a joyous way, because it's such a heartbreaking story, but in a... I got so, so much from that book, and it's only one book. This book could have been three books. Like, this book could easily be three books, but it doesn't feel like that. Like, there's so much. It's so rich in story. It could have been three separate stories and three separate books. I should have probably made even more money that way. But it's all in one book and it it feels right that it is one book and not three books and honestly i feel like i owe tony Morrison money because like i said this book for one book yeah i like we need to pay her more for this specific book pay her estate more um but i do have to say that it comes with the biggest trigger warning. Ever, like I said, I've never read anything that discusses slavery the way this book did, and in very specific details. So, big, big, huge trigger warning there. Uh, it was actually made into a movie. I don't know if I can read, if I can watch the movie. Like, uh, it is one thing to read this book. I don't think I, I can watch it. There were parts when she was describing certain. Um, scenes that, or things that happened to the different characters during slavery, that my so I'm a visual reader. So when I'm reading books, I'm also visualizing them and the people and everything. And there were certain parts of the book that my mind couldn't conjure an image. Like I, I was struggling to imagine what that looked like and to visualize it because me, someone who was, you know, born during this age of the 2000s uh my mind simply cannot imagine those things like my mind cannot create those images the visuals for i couldn't i quite frankly couldn't imagine them because it is so far out of anything i have ever experienced or seen and so i i don't know that i would be able to watch it as a movie um but yeah, I think that's it. I could go on and on, but my throat is actually drying out and this been out know, on minutes forty seven. Um, I really hope this makes sense and it wasn't just me ranting. And I hope that this makes you want to read it. As usual, if you want to talk about it, about the book, you can email me. I love talking about books. Um, you know also share it with your friends and people that read and yeah thank you so much for listening i have i think three books left um i after beloved i read paradise and then i read love i have home a mercy and god help the child left and that will be the end of my tony morrison journey and yeah we'll see how it goes so yeah That's it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye.